When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. So Craig McRae, it was a year ago. You've lived that journey. Adam Kingsley, it's today at the Giants. 18 years ago, it was Alastair Clarkson at Hawthorne. Now on Friday, it was uh, it was at North Melbourne. Alastair's with me in the studio. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Good, uh, good to be here, and good to hear the the, the, the great sentiments around uh, around Fly McRae. He's uh, we spent uh, spent some time together at Hawthorne, and um, really pleased that he's done so well at the Pies this year. If you had five minutes with Adam Kingsley today, Clarko, what what would you share with him about what he's about to embark on? He's meeting his players for the first time at ten o'clock. He's got his press conference at twelve thirty, and then he's a senior coach. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's so exciting for him. You know, he's um, he'll be he'll be well prepared. He's um, he's been uh, preparing for this opportunity for you know fifteen or sixteen years, um, and that doesn't include his, his playing time too. You know, so that's just doing his coaching apprenticeship. So he's um, he's been to three different sorts of clubs. Um, you know, Port Adelaide is obviously an interstate club um, where he where he's both played and um, an assistant coach, and then. Um, then St Kilda, and then he had you know the big club of of Richmond, um, and working with his great mate Dimmer. So um, he's uh, he's he's really well prepared. I'm not sure that I, I really need to give him any advice because of 16 years in the caper with um, you know working with um, some some good coaches in the industry. Then, um, but yeah, you know, he'll 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 find his path. You know, the uh, having gone through part of the GWS process, you know, it's a it's a different different sort of challenge in terms of the. Um, the the fact that it's a, a Sydney-based club and um, he'll need to do a lot of work, but I mean he's got some he's got some talent to work with, and uh, it looks like they'll be able to go to you know trade into the draft really well um, if uh, if they've got some players that return to turn to Melbourne to play. So um, there's some exciting times ahead for him. And the journey of Craig McRae through the year, so a journeyman coach who you say did have a lot to do with. He's got a different demeanour to a lot of senior coaches. He breaks the mould at Collingwood. Is there is there a little bit of a, a lesson in that? Yeah, there is. And I, I spent uh, I spent a lot of time with Steve Kerr in at the Golden State Warriors over uh, over the past twelve months. And um, both he and he and Craig McRae are very very similar in their uh, both their personalities and their approach to things. And um, yeah, both of them have, have had to deal with different adversities in their lives, which I think is really, really important and shape the men that they are and the, and the way that they approach things. And um, well, it's been, it's just been so refreshing. You know, it's, it's you like to think that um, in the, in the game itself, you know, all these close finishes, you'd like to think, oh, their luck's got to run out, but <laughs> there's maybe a secret to it and that they, they just uh, keep going for it and uh, always believe in themselves just because they've got this, this freshness and, uh this capacity just to uh, just to keep backing themselves and, and have a go, and it's uh, when they, when they, I think they've won about eight games or something by less than a goal or something like that. It's just extraordinary, and uh, that's probably a reflection on the coach and his and his philosophy. 
How quickly has your mind snapped back into coaching mode? Is it whirring away? Yeah, it has. Um, oh, it's been a it's, it's been a difficult um, first three or four days, to be fair, because um, yeah, the rest of the club in essence has to um, deal with the the here and now, and that's that the um, the players needed to be exited from the from the club, ready for their ready for their leave, um, uh, and. That's done by you know the, the the current coaching group and and admin and um, and strength and conditioning team, um, so I haven't had an opportunity just at this point in time to sit down with the coaches or sit down with the uh, the admin team or the strength and conditioning and um, hoping to do so at some point in time in the next next week. But it's yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but um, that's what that's what you expect when you step back into the into the fray. And um, yeah, looking forward to the challenge ahead. Ultimately, what brought you back? Couldn't live without it. Uh, life, I imagine, is a little bit easier without it. What What's brought you back to coaching? Um, well, I've, I think I've gone on record a couple of times as saying I was, I was inspired by the Golden State Warriors when I went back there in April, and they're they're right on the uh, cusp of um, potentially winning another title, um, which is an extraordinary story in itself that they've gone from virtually top down to the bottom, back up to the top again in about a three or four year period. Um, some of that was marred by COVID and some significant injuries to some, to some key players like like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. But um, just the um, just the combative, competitive part of the the game, where um, you know you know you know perhaps you're placed on this earth to um, to help people be the very, very best that they can be at the, at the chosen field that they love. And that's, uh, that's Aussie rules football. And, um, for me, I feel like, um, that's, uh, that's what I can do well. And so, um, yeah, when, uh, when I was there in April with Steve and they're, they're, they're planning on how to beat the, uh, the Denver Nuggets and then win that series and then play against Memphis to progress to the, the, what we'd call the prelim finals. Um, that was that was enough for me to to come back here and say, yeah, I, I think I, even though I really enjoyed the the front office part of um, the role that I'd had for the last twelve months, which was which was helping Tassie try to get this nineteenth team in, um, it's really the back office part of footy and right right at the coalface where uh, where I probably enjoy it the most and where I can I think I can have the most impact. Did you ponder that your own place in the game, that the idea of furthering a legacy, obviously drives you? What about protecting? A legacy which you've created did that weigh at all in your mind? No, it's, it's just it's just all part of a journey for me, and that's this this journey of North Melbourne is another um, is another step in that. You know, we're taking a uh, taking a club that um, has underperformed in the last little while, and um, and it's it's not too dissimilar to the uh, to the Hawthorne Footy Club when I arrived there at the end of two thousand and four. You know, we. Um, I think at that point in time, the club had you know twenty or twenty five thousand members. Uh, we were nearly broke as a club. Ian Dicker and his board had done a great job just to um, rattle the tins and get enough money just to uh, have the have the club survive. You know, it was only you know six or six or eight years post the whole merger debate, so the club was still trying to correct itself in terms of its its balance sheet and its its P and L statement. So, um, and they had very very few members, and yet you know. 15 years later, they're considered a big club in the competition. You're financially stable, 80,000 members, um, you know, playing uh, play big games. And um, I don't see it any different to, 
to North Melbourne. You know, we, uh, we've got more members. We're financially stable at the present time, but we want to we want to build and we want to grow grow the club. Um, we've got a um, we've got an emblem or a or a brand in terms of a kangaroo, which is pretty unique. Um, that we should be able to take to the world, if not certainly Australia, and that that is that our our uh, our brand is on the coat of arms, and even the brand of the kangaroo is on the Tommy Sharon footy. So it's it's a pretty special and iconic brand that we can can market and take to supporters right around the country and uh, and build the brand because we've seen with with these clubs like Hawthorne and, and other clubs too, and even even Collingwood, uh, we've seen. I mean that was just an unbelievable spectacle on mm. uh, on Sunday, Collingwood Carlton. Um, you think where those two clubs were this time last year, uh, both looking for coaches, both um, considered to have boardroom upheavals and turmoil, yet um, 12 months later they're playing in a, which what for Carlton was an elimination final and for for the Pies there was a lot at stake too to get a, get a top four position and double chance. You know, things can turn around really, really quickly if you've got a vision, um, you've got stability with the people there and you've got them in the right roles. Um, and they all roll the sleeves up and get to work together, and um, yeah, that might we might take a little bit more than twelve months to do that, but who knows? Um, you know, when I arrived at arrived at Hawthorne, um, I and the board thought it was going to be a um, seven, eight, nine year process in terms of actually getting back to really competing for the chance to win silverware, and we arrived there in, in four years. So um, it's just about making sure you get the uh, really, really clear vision, but then get the right people on board to uh, to drive that, and that's. At playing level, it's at volunteer level, it's at board level, it's administration level, coaching level, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, if you've got people that are uh, prepared to uh, work together on uh, on a on a single vision and goal, then uh, special things can happen. Did you watch from home on Saturday? Is that what you chose to do? I, I missed the first half because I was um, I was at my son's under eighteen game yep. for for the Sandy Dragons against Oakley Chargers, which was a really exciting game that came down to a, a goal the difference in a really. Uh, a really well fought out contest, and then um, I got home for the uh, for the bad half of the of the the North performance. Unfortunately, the first half I'm led to believe was uh, was was really competitive, and I've watched a little bit of vision of that over the last last uh, 24 hours. But um, yeah, their uh, their second half, which you can which you can understand, you know, that um, things fall away when there's there's not much to play for, um, and um, yeah, but um, but that's probably a little bit of a reflection of their of their season. Um, it's been a been a tough year for them, and um, a lot of a lot of change. And the the club just really needs some stability and some direction now. And we'll try and uh, reinvigorate that that passion and vision for the for the game over the summer and um, roll the sleeves up, get to work, and um, and hopefully win some more games next year. So, is there much to learn looking back, or are you a bit of a clean slate from from here? Yeah, I'm more more of the of the view. Let's just let's just um, yeah. The, I, I think with with all clubs. Um, and the way that the, the, the game is portrayed by so many um, and reflected through uh, through the press is that it, it's never quite as bad as it seems and it's never quite as good as it seems. It's some, it sits somewhere in the middle. So, um, you know, I'm sure um, you know, Sonia got caught out a couple of times by saying, you know, in terms of it's a, it's a great list. We've got, we've got some players on our list and we've got some staff and that sort of stuff that are highly, highly talented people. And really, really good in their roles. But the, the, the challenge is actually bringing all these talented people together, cohesively galvanise them and all go in the same direction, uh, make some significant sacrifices um, and be prepared to make those sacrifices for the betterment of their, of their fellow man within the club. And um, if, we can, if we can get that, then um, good things can happen really, really quickly. And um, so 
I'm more of a guy though of just um, just go in there, um, clean slate, um, fresh set of eyes, and um, make the observations that we need to make in terms of uh, who wants to jump on the bus and, and get on board with this, and um, and we'll see where that takes us. And in the past, my history has been in in the past when we've been able to galvanise people with a clear vision. Um, special things have happened. Alistair Clarkson is in the studio this Tuesday morning. You can ping through your messages, 0433 98 11 16. Temper, a mattress like no other. Alistair Clarkson in the studio. I can't tell you how many messages there are from North Melbourne supporters, A, saying thank you, and B, with all of their own questions. Just let me ask you, with a clear set of eyes, is, is 17 years too long at one club? We value longevity in Aussie rules maybe more than any other code in the world. Um, yeah, probably, probably on reflection now, um, you know, it's a, it's a long period of time to be in a club and uh, the, the most difficult thing for every club in the, um, in the competition, uh, I think is the, those clubs that sit between, um, you know, sixth on the ladder, perhaps not quite there. And it seems a long way to get to the top. And those that are about 12th or 14th on the ladder who, like even the teams that are finishing twelfth or fourteenth on the ladder are winning eight games, and it's just like, oh, geez, only, we only need two or three more games, and we're playing finals. Um, it's not about getting into finals; it's about how many games do you win to need to be able to win a win a, a title, uh, win silverware. Um, and so it's really hard. And I found myself in that position in the last um, last few years at Hawthorne, where it was probably after um, you know, we we played finals in two thousand and eighteen. Um, finished in the top four, got beaten uh, in straight sets by what turned out to be two pretty good sides. Richmond up and going right at that point in time, lost the first final. Uh, and Melbourne, an emerging Melbourne, uh, beat us in the, in the next final. And then I remember being on a plane in, um, in in America about to land in San Francisco and my phone was just going nuts as soon as I landed. Uh, and that was with the news that Tom Mitchell, the reigning Brownlow medalist, had broken his leg. He was going to miss for the whole of that uh, that year. Uh, and we underperformed that year, didn't make the finals. And it was probably at the end of that year where we said, OK, uh, this, is, this is the time now we need to go back to the draft. We tried, um, which, you know, like to, to, to bring uh, an Amir into the, into the club, a Wingate into the club, a Mitchell into the club. They're all highly talented players. They were not a club in the competition that wouldn't have taken them if they could have negotiated that trade at that point in time. You know, Mitchell was 23 or 24. Um, had it not been father son, he would have gone top five in the draft. Omira, had he not been a pre-draft selection, would have gone number one in the draft. Um, and Wingard was already a first-round draft pick. It's just like, and he's now 24 years of age. It's just like, they're only a club in the competition that ain't doing what we did, and that was to try to get these guys into your club. Now, it didn't work for a whole, whole heap of reasons, but by the end of 2019, it was like, well, we need to go back to the draft, which is what brought Will Day and... Denver Granger Brass and um, a young ward into the club, you know, first round draft picks that we've had over the last little while. So the rebuild commenced a long time ago. You know, Dylan Moore and CJ, um, these type of guys that are coming into the into the um, fray right now have been at the club for four or five years and they're the next breed of player that's hopefully going to take the Hawthorne club back up the ladder and competing for, for silverware. So it's really, really tough when you're sitting in those those middle parts of the middle parts of the ladder. Um, if I probably have my time again, um, I'd probably I'd probably say get in there, um, do do your do your work, and then uh, move on to. That's what they do in soccer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you spend a little bit of time with Ange Postacoglu. It's totally different setup, but he's a hit run type of guy. Yeah, yeah. And the the the, the benefit that 
other games have got. They're more uh, international sports, so you've got so many more opportunities. You know, it, it's more difficult in our game to um, – and you, you build up such uh, this uh, tribal um, – tribalism with the with the guys you're in the trenches with and I just found it enormously difficult when you're going through whether they're kids in the draft or whether they're opposition uh, uh, players that are playing at opposition clubs and you're trading to get them into your club I just found it enormous, enormously difficult um, that whole thing of selling a vision and of, of what role they were going to play and let's get in on this journey together I found it enormously difficult to um, be the first one that would put my hand up to say I'm bailing out of that um, I could never bring myself to do that. Now, that if, 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 that's a, if that's a weakness of mine, um, then I'm happy to say that loyalty is a good thing to have as a weakness. Um, but um, but on, on reflection, um, you know, if you could find the right time to uh, pass the baton to someone else a little bit earlier, then um, you know, 17 years is a long, long period of time. And, um, but um, you know, it's, it, the, the wisdom of hindsight is... Yeah. Uh, because it, 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 you're you're always you're always selling this vision, and at different stages, you know we, you know, I think everyone um, has has seen the progress of uh, of Hawthorne over the over the course of the last twelve months, which is just this natural progression of these youngsters that have now been in that system for three, four, five years, and they still need to, you know, blood some more players and bring some bring some more guys into their club that will complement that uh, that group of young players, but. These these guys are the next generation, you know the 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 scrimshaws and these sorts of boys now who are now twenty four years of age. They've played eighty games of footy. Um, they're they're ready to take the next step for the club. So Kangas fans are, are asking, what what will your approach with this list be? Is is recruit younger talent, add experienced players? What's your balance in your mind? Yeah, well, um, it's a it's a little bit of it's a little bit of both. You know, there's um, probably the club. Um, in their in their wisdom, made some decisions two or three years ago that they needed to um, go to the draft, um, and they um, they cut pretty deep in terms of the amount of turnover of, of players. And um, you know, Carlton, good mate of mine, Bolts, obviously did the did the same sort of thing. When you when you have a big cut of uh, of, of players who could still continue to play for your club, but were they going to be taking you to the to the silverware? So in their wisdom, both those clubs made decisions. No, we're going to invest heavily in the draft and, and cut pretty deep. Now that's that's a preparedness as a club to perhaps go down a little bit before you're going to come up. Um, but if you do that, then you've got to be patient and um, and hopefully galvanise the group together and just go through a little bit of pain. Um, but um, you need to you need to make sure you've got enough leaders there and um, at, with who are strong in their conviction to. to Leave a legacy at the club to to carry these young guys and, and nurture them and um, and protect them in some instances and we will need to bring in maybe two or three players of uh, of more um, physically strong stronger bodies who can help nurture this next group of players but by and large um, we need to continue to go to the draft to bring in the talent necessary but we've already got some um, so the 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 journey's already started it started. You know, three, three or four years ago at the club, and uh, we need to complement that with some further draft picks, uh, which we'll have pick one in this draft because we we finished on the bottom of the ladder, and um, and that will be complemented by doing whatever trades we can to um, and attracting a free agent. But you know, in in terms of a free agent, right at the current time, there's not too many that are attracted as a free agent to come to the team that's on the bottom of the ladder. Um, so that's going to be a different, a difficult path. But um, you know, I can remember the first. First two years I was at Hawthorne, no one wanted to come. Um, and Steve Gilliman, 
and Brent Guerra came to our footy club only because I knew them and they were their, their careers were floundering elsewhere. So it was just like, we'll give you an opportunity here. And they became premiership players for the Hawks. Uh, then once we became a premiership side, then it was a lot easier to sell it to the, the Jack Gunsons of the world who went to Adelaide, played there for two years, wanted to come home. Uh, yeah, Hawthorne seems like a good destination. Whereas if we're sitting on the bottom of the ladder, don't think that would have been the club that Jack that selected. You know, Josh Gibson came to us, David Hale came to us, Brian Lake came to us. You know, we got some, we got some beauties through that that period of time. But we also you know, got guys like Matt Suckling and Taylor Jaray and uh, Luke Bruce and these Ben Stratton, Paul Puopolo. These guys were late picks in the draft who went on to become um, great players for our club and. Um, and you know, three-time premiership players for the for the Hawks, um, who were either rookie list players or back end of draft picks. That everyone says, oh, you you got to have top end top end picks. You've got to have a good environment for whatever pick comes into your club or whatever trade comes into your club. You've got to have a good environment for them to all grow and flourish. And um, that's what we're going to try to provide for any player that comes into our club um, in the next couple of years. Will you try to address the players before they? head to their off-season? Yeah, I'll try to, um, but it's, it's, it's just enormously difficult. I've just got to try and work out what, what point in time that will be, and yep. I'll, um, I'll, I'll try and work that out over the next 24 hours. Do you know or are you hopeful that Peter Jackson might take a role with the Kangaroos? Well, I know that, um, I know that he's a great football person, um, and we need, some, uh, we need some guidance and stability right through our club. That was the reason why they... Um, they got Jeff Walsh to come in and do a uh, external review. There, there's just some people in the game, for whatever reason, they're not directly involved in official positions in um, in the game at the moment. That um, have just got unbelievable wisdom in the roles that they've had across the vast majority of clubs. And Peter Jackson is one of those, and Jeff Walsh is another. And um, anyone out there who's got that wisdom that can help in the journey, then we want to tap into. It. And I'm led to believe. Um, Sonia is uh, Sonia is lending to Peter Jackson for some guidance and some assistance, and and also Jeff Walsh. You've been such an advocate for Tasmania, and I think mischievously that was put together a little bit. Are you hopeful that uh, your arrival and what North Melbourne is building ends the the link that's made with North Melbourne? Any time there's talk of strife or or relocation or a team elsewhere, yeah, you know, I'm really excited about um, some of the some of the things that. I've been able to research for Tassie, ironically enough. Um, I'm hoping it will be applied to the to the Tassie bid and all this um, all this information around. Um, oh, you know, we, we, it, it's all going to be um, based on a stadium deal and that sort of stuff. Well, there's there's two there's two stadiums that have been used in in uh, Tasmania at the moment. One in Launceston, which the Hawks have used for the last 20 years, and one in Hobart, which the Kangaroos have used for the last, oh, dare I say it, six or eight years. Um, and both of them have served AFL footy in Tasmania and the AFL competition really, really well. Now, um, we don't need a new stadium right here and now. And how that is funded and who funds it, and um, but what I do believe in with all the research we did overseas was that... Um, a precinct, a sporting precinct, not just an oval, a sporting precinct, which we've seen we're developing at Melbourne Park here, which is really, really special and makes Melbourne one of the, if not the sporting capital of the world, right in the top three. Um, that that whole sense of precinct, which is a 24-7 type of precinct, that's what all these stadiums are doing right around the world. A stadium sits very idle for a long period of time. Yep. Um, and so how can you monetize that that stadium and that area around the stadium? And that's what that's what will 
that's what will service the the new stadium down in, down in Hobart once they get the club and once it gets up and running. Uh, the the stadium will pay for itself if they they take the view of a forty or fifty acre Macquarie Point site that can monetize that stadium even when it's idle and no games have been played there or no events have been held at that stadium. Ironically enough, I come to North Melbourne now and the vision the vision of the club the club's really really stable financially and been in its best off field position it's ever been which is really a credit to a lot of people at the club, uh, particularly the James Brayshaw-led part of the part of the club. And that included, ironically enough, a move down to Tasmania to play some home games. But the really, really exciting part about the financial position of the club is this blueprint they've got around the redevelopment of the whole Arden Street area, which is um, includes a, a, a new station at the end of Arden Street and... This industrial land that, that is no longer used for industrial purposes is now going to be rezoned and North Melbourne is right at the heart of that. There's going to be another oval there and then they're more or less going to create this suburb. You know, they've been working for a long period of time, which Sonia was pivotal to, um, the huddle and the multicultural emphasis that they've got with um, integration of all these people in that area and, and, and celebrating diversity and bringing – and they've got a magnificent program there – and we're going to create a suburb there, more or less, that is going to have North Melbourne as the heartland of that, um, which is going to really embed the club into the roots of inner city North Melbourne. Um, but it's going to be pretty special because it's a it's a precinct that we're going to try to attract people there 24-7. It's a suburb, so we need a sports medicine facility, we need restaurants, we need, um, we need gyms, we need all sorts of things that are going to service all the people in that area and hopefully they'll get touched by the, the North Melbourne soul and spirit when they, uh, when they go into these, uh, these venues 24-7. Um, so that's really, really exciting, something that I've learned as part of the whole Tasmanian 19th team bid um, that we now can apply in other ways to, to North Melbourne. They've already started it. I'd hope that I can, um, through opportunities like this with the press and whoever else, to get people excited about what's happening at that club on field as well as uh, what, could, uh, what could happen um, on the field as well. Great big picture stuff. It's good to have you back in coaching, Alistair. Well done. Thanks, Jared. Cheers. Can I just give a shout out yeah. too to to Whispering Jack? I think he's a, I think he's a North Melbourne supporter, Johnny Farnham, yeah. um, and uh, to all uh, all the crew at the uh, at the Kangas. Um, we wish him best. He's going through a tough time at the present time, but um, knowing him, <laughs> he's going to be back. <laughs> he's always coming back, Clarko. He's always coming back. Alistair Clarkson in the studio. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.